God, I'm unworthy to stand before you. I'm desperately inadequate for what you've asked me to do. I am too aware of my own sin. There are bruises on my soul because of the choices that I have too often made. Lord, I pray that you could have mercy on me. I pray that a man as bruised as I am can find forgiveness with you. Lord, may my heart, my mind be changed because I know you. And I pray, Lord, that you will make me right with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our posture before God in prayer matters. Our posture matters as we enter into the throne room of God's kingdom to talk to Him. Uh, the question is, what is the right posture? Uh, what's the right attitude to come before uh, the King of the universe, the Creator, God? And, and what is it that our posture tells us about who God is, who we are, and who we see others to be? What does our attitude tell us about who we perceive God to be? Who we perceive ourselves to be and how we perceive others. This morning we're in a text in which Jesus answers those questions about our posture. And He's going to look at two characters uh, that represent really two postures about how it is that we enter the throne room of God and stand before Him. That Jesus is going to answer how it is that our posture shows us uh, who we believe God to be, who we believe ourselves to be, and how we interact with others. You see, just after Jesus uh, tells us about the need to be consistently faithful by being persistently prayerful, uh, right after he talks about uh, our need to be always faithful that we might have justice with him, uh, he talks about our posture of prayer. And he, he looks at these two characters and he says there's a correct way and an incorrect way uh, to come before the God of the universe. That there's a good way and a bad way to come uh, before God. What we're going to see is that there is one way, one posture, one attitude that we come before God uh, that we need to emulate, and one, quite frankly, that we need to shred. And our posture, the one that we will adopt, the one that we will practice, will show us 
will tell us, will demonstrate to us that, that we view God in one way or another. That we are view ourselves in one way or another and that we view other people in one way or another. So turn with me to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. If you need a pew Bible, I believe it's page 732. Luke 18. I'm going to begin in verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank You that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector, he stood at a distance. He wouldn't look to heaven. And he beat his breast. And he said to God, have mercy on me. A sinner. I tell you, this man, this man rather than the other went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. There are two characters. There are two postures of prayer. Sometimes, sometimes when we think that we have everything all right, we get it all wrong. Uh, sometimes when we think uh, that we know exactly who God is, uh, when we think we have ourselves all figured out, when we know what to do with other people, we quite frankly get it wrong. The Pharisee the Pharisee demonstrates a posture of arrogance before God because he has no idea who God really is and he fails to see himself or others clearly. The Pharisee and the tax collector have come uh, most likely during a time of prayer to the temple, uh, maybe during a time of sacrifice and what we have to begin to see is that the Pharisee and the tax collector of the Pharisee, everyone would be expecting him to be the hero. He was the predetermined hero for everybody. He was the one, he was the conservative Christian leader, you might say. 
Uh, he was the one who was teaching others the answers. And so he came and he presented himself in a posture of arrogance before God and everyone, although maybe uh, they would have questioned uh, the exaggeration of Jesus' illustration, would have still said in the end, this guy is the one we need to follow. And yet sometimes we find perhaps that when we think we have it all right, we've got it all wrong. You see, the Pharisee thinks of God as a bean counter. The Pharisee thinks of God as one who is balancing a weight of good deeds and bad deeds. That if we have more good deeds than bad deeds, then in the end, it's, it's all the things that I have done that make me right before God. Notice what the text says about the Pharisee. The Pharisee stood up and he prayed. God, I, I thank You that I'm not like other men. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers. Or even like this tax collector, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all that I have. Uh, when he comes in a posture of arrogance before the Lord, uh, he just gives him a resume of all the really good things that he's done. Look at how right I am. I mean, I haven't robbed anybody. I'm not an evildoer. I'm not wicked to anybody. I'm pretty a nice guy. I, I go above and beyond the call of duty. Maybe it's a preacher. Maybe it's the college professor on two strikes. It's the one who knows they do really great things and they think of God. I, I know God must be really impressed with me right now because I'm doing all the right things. And so they think of God as one who is counting beans. You've got more good things than bad things. But he misunderstands God. And not only does he misunderstand God, he misunderstands himself. You see, as he's giving his resume before uh, the creator of the universe, uh, he asks for nothing. Because his view of himself is that he needs nothing. His view of himself is that he has it all together, that he's all right all the time because he keeps all the right rules. He asks for nothing because he thinks he needs nothing. He doesn't perceive God as one who is, uh, he doesn't perceive himself as one who needs mercy from God because he's already obeyed all the rules. And so his posture of prayer, his posture before the king of the universe is one of arrogance because he misunderstands God, he misunderstands himself, and he certainly misunderstands others. Notice what he says about the tax collector, I am not like this, I am not like this, I am not like this tax collector. 
He's got it all right. And yet somehow he gets it all wrong. And then there's the other character. The other character in the story that that if you and I were standing with Jesus and listening to him tell this story, we would gasp. We would wonder what in the world is going on. Politically and religiously, the tax collector was about as far away from God as you could possibly imagine. Uh, The Pharisee probably thinks he's there uh, to help bring uh, God's rightness to all of Israel. It says of the tax collector that he stands off in a distance. It was the rules of the temple. That if you were to go to pray and you were unclean, that you would have to go to the east gate and you would have to pray there because you were not allowed into the temple. You were not allowed that close to God. And so the Pharisee kind of looks down his nose at the tax collector and he says, thank you, God, I'm not like that guy. And what we find is sometimes, sometimes when we think we're all wrong, God makes it right. You see, the tax collector, the tax collector has a view of God that says, Maybe God can be merciful to me. Maybe God is holy enough that He can clean me. Do you notice what He does? As He prays, he, the text tells us that He won't even look to heaven. In other words, he recognizes how holy God is. He recognizes his own place next to the throne of the universe. And he he begins to just say, God, can you have mercy on me? And the text tells us that he, he beats his breast. This is a sign of his absolute regret, his mourning, his angst over his sin. And I wonder how often you have felt that. I am the stupidest man alive. I'm a woman who couldn't possibly begin to stand before you, God. And they get God right. Maybe they're all wrong. They don't have a resume of really great things to say, and yet his posture of prayer before the God of the universe is one of absolute humility. You see, he gets God right, and he gets himself right. 
He knows he's in need of mercy. He knows that he's in need of forgiveness. He knows his own sin, and so he comes in a posture of humility before the God of the universe, and he simply asks for one thing. God, would you make me right with you? Would you make sure that I end up on the right side of the ledger with you? Would you make sure that that you would cover over my sin uh, so that I can be with you? And his request is this demonstration of humility in a posture of prayer. Jesus says the shocking thing in verse 14. He says of the tax collector, I tell you, this man, this man rather than the other, goes home justified before God. He's the one who gets the right relationship. He's the one who has a covering for sin. He's the one who has mercy shown to him. He's the one who is forgiven. And not the Pharisee. So how is it? How is it that you and I find ourselves in a posture of humility as we approach the throne of the universe? How is it that you and I find ourselves in a posture of humility as we come to God? When we find ourselves in a posture of humility before God, we will see God is merciful. We will see ourselves as needing forgiveness. And we will grant mercy and forgiveness to others. When we approach God with humility, we get Him right. Because we recognize His mercy. When we approach with a posture of humility before God, we will get ourselves right because we recognize that we have to have His grace and His mercy. And maybe the test, maybe the test is whether we're merciful to others. Around the turn of this 20th century, there was an author, his name was Nathaniel Hawthorne. He wrote a book, very well known, called The Scarlet Letter. It's a story of a woman caught in adultery who now has to go with a large letter A, a red letter A on her clothing. The A for adultery. So that everyone can look down their noses And look at her and say, sinner! I wonder how often we betray our posture of prayer before the God of the universe 
because we act more like the Pharisee in our treatment of other people than we do like the tax collector. I wonder. I wonder how often we have perhaps silently placed a scarlet letter on someone's life because of sin that they have chosen to commit. Several years ago, there was a student at the college. Now, students at college sometimes don't always make all the right choices. Are you aware of that? And this particular student had done something that would cause him to be suspended for a time and eventually dismissed. Now, the dismissal was right. But I wonder, as I looked across the student body, how they would respond. And I was a little surprised that even though there were those who were close friends, they began to distance themselves a bit because they didn't want guilt by association. I wondered if they had begun to place a scarlet letter on his life. Thank you, God, I'm not like that. And I wonder for you, I wonder for you who your tax collector is. I wonder for you who, who is the second class citizen whom you find it easy maybe in the, own, the, the confines of your mind just to begin to say, I don't need to show mercy to them. They deserve what they've got. They made that choice. They can live with it. They made that bed. They can sleep in it. They had it coming after all. Single mom, maybe? She made a choice. And now, perhaps, you want to distance yourself from her. There's less mercy than there used to be. You're not quite sure that she's worthy enough. Maybe she's your tax collector. Maybe it's a student who is wrestling mightily with their own identity. Or trying to find their dad. <laughs> God bless you, brother. A student who is wrestling with their own identity. Maybe it's even identity with gender issues, and that's uncomfortable for you. That's uncomfortable ground. 
And you, you're not quite sure. They've made those choices. I... Who is your tax collector? Who is your second class citizen? It says a lot about how it is that you go about praying. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus introduces us to prayer and He says, Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. In Luke chapter 7, uh, Jesus talking uh, in a in a dialogue between a Pharisee and a woman who has been caught in sin, he, he turns to the Pharisee. His name was Simon. And he says, Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. Uh, you didn't put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. I tell you her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. And here's the dagger. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Your posture of prayer says a lot about you. Your posture of prayer says a lot about what you believe about God. What you believe about yourself. And what you're willing to do for others. So in your posture of prayer, will you approach the throne of glory with humility, recognizing that you are not God, that you don't have it all right, and that the keeping of the rules will never, ever save you. The keeping of the rules will never ever justify you. The fact is, you can do all the rules and still miss God. That in fact, when you come and you pray with a posture of humility, you recognize God's grace, you recognize your need for grace, and you're willing to extend that mercy and grace to others. It's the gospel. The good news. God saving his people. Let's pray. Lord, this is hard. Because when we do good things, because we want to follow you, we, we think that we have it right. I pray that in keeping your rules and seeking to obey you, We don't get the rules right and miss you. Lord, may the, 
the posture of our prayer be demonstrated in how we love others. Make us tax collectors. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.